0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Renee Craven, and today we're chatting with Josie Simpson. Josie's career spans 20 years, from business facing government and utility roles through to agility and project delivery. Josie has dabbled as a product owner, scrum master, and coach, honing skills in leadership, coaching, mentoring, and change management. Today, we discuss Josie's health journey and how her own personal learnings have influenced the way she leads her teams. We hope you enjoy this episode. Josie, welcome.
1: Hello, and thank you for having me, Renee.
0: Let's start by telling our listeners, how did you find Agile?
1: Uh, It's interesting, actually, I had been working for a semi-government, which was Queensland Treasury Corporation. I'd been working on the business side of uh, things for a number of years and we were going through a core system replacement and my general manager at the time said i would like you to go over and play a role in this project and i was like i don't know anything about i.t not that you have to know much about it for agility but anyway and I met with a couple of the different project managers on the program of work. And one of them um, was working on replacing the whole of government cash management system. And she said to me, okay, so as the business rep, I need you to come to all of these uh, ceremonies. And I was like, okay, what's that? What's a stand up? What's a sprint review? What's a this and that? So I was totally thrown in the deep end. Um, and uh, her name was Carolyn and she was super patient and really supportive um, and spent time with me to help me understand. And then I had a bit of a wider role on the program. And so there was streams that were running in a more of a waterfall way. And then she was working to bring in this agility as well. Um, That program had a number of challenges, but the part that got delivered was the whole government cash management replacement. And I think it is because of the way she was able to help that team adapt to the changing needs and still find mm. ways to deliver value, even when other things with the vendor weren't going well. Mm. Yeah. well
0: what did you take away from Caroline and seeing that or the way that she led? What have, What has stuck with you over the years?
1: Yeah, so there was another person in the business that also touted themselves as an agilist, but what I noticed between the two of them, um, she had a lot more empathy, patience, she engaged everyone equally, um, was very good with her stakeholder engagement and helping people understand why we were doing things and what the benefit of it was. Mm-hmm. Um, the other person was probably a bit more of your like slashing through vines, Very could be very sharp with their communication and could steamroll people. And so I guess I observed in in motion those two approaches, and consciously decided I wanted to be more like Carolyn. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And so then after after that I um I went off and I had my my baby, and then I went on maternity leave, and then I went I want to learn more about this sort of stuff, and then that's when I met you. <laughs> Came <laughs> into the consulting world. Um, because it was a chance to be exposed to other environments after seven years in a semi-go- semi-government at that point and um, try to learn up that ad- agility curve and change management curve. Mm.
0: Wow. There you go. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. um, and we've known each other for, as you say, a long, uh, quite a few years now. So Yeah, um, like nine years. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can you believe it? No, I can't. Don't we look great? Um. <laughs> <laughs> we, we look better now than what we did nine years ago, surely. <laughs> uh, so what have you observed about the role of women in Agile community over the
1: years? I remember that, um, so interestingly, I had those two women in that example back in, you know, 2010, even 2009. And um, and I, I think I maybe took for granted how rare that was at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I then joined consultancy later and started going in and entering other environments, as a woman wanting to enter the Agile space, I I started to receive quite a lot of resistance and a lot of um, people sort of questioning my place in the community um, based on my background and my experience. Um, And I had to really work I guess to to show that value and position myself as different and um and again taking in a lot of observations of how other people were working at the time sort of making conscious decisions on what what I would take from that or you know what I would learn from that and what I maybe wouldn't do what I would do um, and adapting and evolving myself and then was really grateful for people like yourself and others who also reached out and helped me with my growth and gave me, you know, personal coaching in real time. Because I think if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't have stuck it out (laughs) Mm. because it was really challenging. Um, But then here we are like, you know, nine years later and sometimes I am still the only female in the room or one or two Um, and interestingly now, sometimes what I'm coming up against is trying to find the right balance between what people see as fluffy and what people see as very evidence driven. So Mm. having the right level of, um, facts and data, um, to show where we've been and where we should go next, but also having the right mix of the soft skills to engage people and take them on the journey. And depending on the leaders you're working with or the environment that you're in, that balance has to change in terms of what people respond to or not um and yeah i i would love to see the community continue to grow more Mm.
0: yeah Yeah.
1: not just be seen as fluffy
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so for our listeners josie and i uh we facilitate the local women in agile meetup group here in brisbane along with our um other member of our team, Abby. Um, So we've been doing that. uh, I don't know. When did you join the team, the organising team, Josie?
1: Probably around 2019, I think. You guys Mm. were going for about close to a year when I managed to come back.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, So, yes, it's been (laughs) good working uh, as part of a team to organise those events and go through the highs and the lows (laughs) together and – Uh, especially during COVID and trying to keep it alive um, through that time and making them all online and all that sort of stuff. So we do do that locally as well. We are supporting, trying to support that the women in the Agile community in, in Brisbane, in Australia as well.
1: Absolutely.
0: So your topic today, Josie, is called, titled, eat your own cooking. I'm going to get you to explain to our listeners what you mean by that.
1: Yeah, okay, that's fine. So I've been on quite a journey in the last year or so. Um, Personal health journey, trying to be a better me. It's been a lot of change. Um, And having already had a lot of roles in terms of change management and and building agility in business context i found myself in a world of the unknown for the first time in a while with my health journey and um having to rely on other experts and and people to help guide me through that and and have that trust and it w- it was a flipped position to the position i'm normally in where i'm normally the one leading or the one with the knowledge or or whatever Um, or helping be that wayfinder Um, and so being on the other side gave me I think another level of self awareness and empathy for when I'm working with people that are going through a high period of change what it really feels like when you do get thrown back into that that area that you don't quite know what's happening and how to um, take people through that. And so the reason why I called it Eat Your Own Cooking is because I might inherently know these these things, but I've had to apply them to myself. So like a chef might cook meals or whatever, you've got to taste your cooking along the way and make sure it's working. Um, In my coaching and my leadership, I've had to take a step back and go, is this working? And am I taking people on the journey? And am I being the wayfinder?
0: interesting
1: yeah
0: and i guess uh you know there's some kind of uh pace that you uh, and and patience i guess so if you're in an organization and you're leading teams through change uh it's that there's only there's a certain pace that people can cope with from a yeah. from a change perspective and you know, they have to learn and then they feel kind of brave enough to try something else to see if that works. So they're kind of testing out the journey and you're there just kind of um, supporting them along yeah. the way. That I'm imagining would be true for you as well, from a um, health journey in that you are learning what your pace is yeah. and what, at this because you've got to listen to your body you can't at the end of the day you can't ignore (laughs) your body your body is telling you things and you have to listen to it and a lot of people uh haven't really tuned into their bodies very well um Mm. but I imagine you've learned a lot about what the pace is of your body
1: yes and I'm still still learning even now at times um but yeah absolutely listening to my body is a great um thing that you just said there, Renee, because that's what I have really had to do, go back to learning to trust my gut or listen to my um, body and my energy levels and and things like that as well and and be really uh, selective about where I'm putting my energy. Um, In terms of this journey, you know, I've managed to now lose almost 70 kilos, which is absolutely life-changing after a few years with some underlying health conditions. And I, I, um, I think I told you at another day that I've been tracking a burn down, <laughs> burn down <laughs> from where I was to where I'm going. And um, just picking up on something you said there before, there were times where it was going too fast and I had to slow it down. Mm. Um, and it made me think about the times where, you know, you're working with a new team and they're embarking on their agility journey and sometimes they wanna just go, 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 and they wanna run really fast, but we have to actually slow them down and and let them know that it's okay to go a bit slow and, and get the practices right first so that they can go faster later. Mm-hmm. And um, that was something that I certainly learned firsthand in this um, health journey, yeah. Mm.
0: What else? What else have you learned about yourself in this journey?
1: What else have I learned? That's a good question. Um, I've learned a bit about some of my strengths. I've had, um, you know, uh, being able to adapt. <laughs> I've had to adapt everything from, you know, how I'm, how I'm thinking about nutrition and food and Taking the right vitamins and looking after myself, um, I've had to had to prioritize rest at the right times so that I can be the best me. And I've I've had to really reflect on how I show up at times, um, mm. and and making sure that again, because being in that leadership position and going through such a huge fundamental change, um, making sure that I am showing up with the the best I can for my teams at the time and, and as I said, prioritising where I put that energy uh, but then at other times kind of just accepting where other things do need to go a bit slower and that's certainly been the case um, in one of the environments I'm in at the moment but we've, we've made quite a lot of change in that year. It's really interesting when I look at um, the last year, the two things happening at once, taking up this new leadership role and prioritising my health. And tracking through how the two things have gone it's been really really interesting
0: mm. how have you um, managed i guess how have you communicated or have you communicated your own personal journey with your teams that you're leading how how have how transparent have you been
1: yeah I've talked with some people um, others don't know completely, but i'm also i don't hide it either. Um, it's funny some people well obviously people have observed changes i I look considerably different to what I did a year ago um and people have been super supportive and and um I've been really grateful for that um and encouraging as well so yeah, and um yeah, I think that there were kind of two choices that could have gone down when when I started this, I could have just kept it really private or or I could be more transparent. And I guess transparency is something that I value. But it's also, again, finding the right balance in terms of vulnerability. You know, I don't want to just mm. share too much with people. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just I've tried to find mm. the right balance of it. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned a couple of things at the start of how your leadership has uh, changed or how you've how you've put some of your learnings from your health journey into um, your leadership journey um, did you want to w- elaborate on some of those you you mentioned empathy as one of them
1: yep, yep. Um, yeah so I guess in terms of when we're working with agile teams where every individual has a part to play and we're all accountable for the energy we bring to the team every day. And we all are accountable for the, you know, achieving the goals in the team. And, um, but we all need to go through a journey on a personal level. So change really starts with you. Um, There's been times where I've, you know, when I came into this environment, I went on a sense-making tour and listening tour to understand what was happening in the environment and and what people felt was working and what wasn't working. and and I had to then hone in and, and put some coaching plans together for certain people around where maybe the change actually needed to start with them. And um, testing out as well, like, who was receptive to that change. And I guess where that parallel back to my journey is, I had to be willing to go through a lot of change for what I've gone through recently and, and partner with other health professionals and whatnot to to totally um, change my health around. And so I guess it's it's working with the teams that I am and building that trust, finding those opportunities um, at individual levels, but also at team levels. So I've taken a multifaceted approach to that. Some has been at leadership levels, some has been at individuals in the team. Um, and some of it has also been with me and how, how I operate in the environment and that self-awareness for... Um, this this environment that I'm in currently is quite different to anywhere else I've worked before in the sense that it's an energy company which I didn't really have a lot of experience with, um, you know, it's mission critical stuff. It actually is a situation where if something goes wrong, somebody could die. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you know previously with a with a background more in the finance, insurance, and and other space, it, it was very different. And so I, I've um, I've really had to work to understand the underlying drivers for some people at times and then partner with them to help them find their way forward, um, protect the things that are important too, like I say, mission-critical stuff, do no harm, but also where there are some opportunities to to embrace that agility and be able to add value.
0: Mm. Hmm. And I imagine fear would have been a big thing that you experienced personally through this uh, health experience um how what are some of the personal uh what what are some of the the tools that you've developed or practices that you've developed yourself to manage that fear
1: yeah that's a great question um you know one of the things i think we talk a lot about in our environments is like challenging your own fear of failure right or fear of failure within teams and creating the right environment where failure is okay. Um, for me personally, going through this journey that I had to come back to and reassess my own fear of failure, Mm. you know, is this going to work? Am I going to be able to do this? Um, and yeah, that's been, that's been super interesting. Um, in terms of things that I have done, um, i've you know kept a bit of a journal kept a bit of a um a journal of the things that have happened on a daily basis and the things that have worked and haven't worked almost like some internal retrospectives at times um you know working out what kind of foods triggered certain immune responses or whatever so by keeping a bit of a food diary and looking back at things i was able to work out and find patterns um just like what we would do when we're working with teams, finding mm. patterns that enable or constrain them. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's really helped me a lot. Um, taking taking more time for self-care. Um, and I think that's something I've noticed that people, especially in our uh, industry, need to do. We have to manage our energy. So coaches change managers people that people that help people through change need to make time for themselves as well because otherwise i think we seriously risk burnout and i've i've felt burnout myself a few years ago and um i don't want to feel that again (laughs) Mm. so um so and coaching other people on that. There's a couple of mentoring relationships that I have and just helping other people also identify what are the things taking their energy, what are the things feeding their energy and how do they find that balance. Mm. Yeah. In 2020 when I was doing my um, exec grad certificate in um, leadership coaching and mentoring at QUT, we learned a model there for coaching which was called eFIRE. And that one um, was a bit of a coaching framework. Probably it's grounded in a lot of frameworks that others will really know, but it talks about how you frame the discussion, how you go through inquiry. So it uses a lot of appreciative inquiry. You go through a reflection period, and then you go through, um, you know, what's the experiments going to be that, so what's actionable that the person can do, and then centred in all of it is energy. So through the conversation, what's building energy, what's drawing energy, when you're asking questions of the coachee, noticing how their energy rises and drops based on the things they're talking about, and then helping them um, think through the own strengths that they can leverage to solve some of those problems, I found that one really interesting as a bit of a, a bit of a coaching model to use. Mm, mm. I was
0: just thinking one of the things that is um, challenging in a team environment is managing or is acknowledging those energy levels within your team because I don't know about you but you know in the last couple of years I've noticed teams um energy levels are quite low like they're they're pretty burnt out (laughs) not not they haven't hit rock bottom yet but they're on their way and it's challenging as a as a team coach to go let's let's just take a break let's stop let's Uh, do what we need to do in order to you know fill those energy buckets up again Um, and it's really challenging when they've got the pressure from uh, from a delivery perspective to do things and that's what they're focused on and they're kind of ignoring their energy levels and how they're feeling themselves and how they're functioning as a team and just kind of putting all that stuff to the side or we've we'll have when we deliver this we'll we'll worry about that later but you can yeah. do when that when we
1: deliver this one then we'll take a break but they don't yeah. take a break because the next important thing is there yeah so how yeah. do we find the sustainable level rather than yeah yeah level
0: yeah and um, I mean in coaching there's a as a person you have that level of self you, you develop that level of self-awareness and self-management so you mentioned before how you know you're approaching your teams based on how you're feeling and you're managing that um, so that they don't see how you actually are feeling on, on those
1: some, some days yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> on those days uh teams need to develop that as well they need to have that team self-awareness and their team self-management as well um and yeah somehow we need to uh i don't know give more i don't know the word power back to the teams like shift it a bit closer to the team so that they can actually build in that um breathing room so they can have a break and and not burn themselves out
1: yeah um it's almost like giving ourselves permission right Mm. in um did did you read brene brown's book dare to lead mm yeah, and she she talked about that, like how she had an activity with her teams at times where she would get everyone to fill out a permission slip today I give myself permission to mm. and then how that could then help take teams through difficult times i've done mm. I've used that a couple of times, and it's been really helpful uh
0: being able to give teams uh, like for teams to see that it's okay to have that permission to take some time is amazing if you can um, if you're doing that with your teams as a, and I think that's a, it's a really powerful um, thing to do as a leader to show you demonstrate to your team you're leading by example in that case um, mm. and I kind of wish that was happening more
1: <laughs> yeah well one of well a couple of the teams I'm working with at the moment are having to go through a cycle just like that because we are in quite a fast moving um, regulatory environment right now in the energy industry. Um, it's, it is winter now and, um, you know, people probably remember the energy issues that happened last year. And so um, when I arrived at this current company, there was a lot of focus coming up to this winter and being able to respond to regulatory and market needs. And it's really tested uh, the agility, not just of the technology teams that are delivering the features in the system to facilitate those things. But it's tested the agility of the business representatives as well. Sometimes they're receiving, you know, incomplete regulatory requests from the energy market operator, and the requirements are changing week weekly almost through to quite tight delivery times. So we've um, we've had to respond to that in, at times by making sure we're developing our requirements in such a way that. Rather than hard coding something, you know, they're configurable changes because of the unknowns. And um, we've just had to give some of the teams space to work through that complexity right now. And so then my role has been managing up in terms of those expectations that 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 delivery engine, that delivery train is, you know, going through a bit of uncertainty right now, and we just need to work through that together, both business and the delivery teams together because we're all we're all in the same boat Mm. Um, so yeah it's been it's been quite interesting quite fascinating obviously Mm. to move at speed often you want that certainty up front you want to plan up front you want to know exactly what's going to happen so the trade-off has had to be hey the team's going to go a little bit slower because we're going to leave some room for what we don't know and respond to it Um, and that's been a real mindset shift for some of the leaders i've been working with at the moment Mm.
0: It's a hard one, right? Cause you've got, especially if your teams have demonstrated to the business or to their stakeholders that they can deliver. And when this new, I mean, there's uncertainty then there's that kind of uncertainty. And when there's this new level of uncertainty, they're like, they need that. Like you said, they need that space to Find the approach that's going to support this new level of uncertainty when it comes to delivery, and um, that means they're going to slow down. They're going to slow down a little bit, and it's it's recalibrating that relationship. I guess to go no, no, it's still they're still delivering. They're just uh, trying to save rework later. They're trying to um, save all that time they might spend later on fixing things and reworking things that. Um, they might not have done had to, they haven't had to do in the past.
1: That's right. Or you know we've con- we've um, tried to configure things in such a way that we can add another rule or something like that. You know once mm. we know what it is um, later. And um, mm. I was seeing similar in the previous company I was working in, um, which was insurance, but they were coming through all of the regulatory change as a result of the Royal Commission. So I had two and a half mm. years of very regulatory driven. Um, change there as well. And we we had to go through a similar thing. We had to totally change our development practices um, from where people would just go and insert, I guess, what I'd call a hard-coded rule. And we had to start taking more of a configurable and being able to add in values so that it was Mm. more adaptable. Um, Mm. And so that took partnership then because at that time I was working as a product owner. So I needed to partner then with my development leads and and we had to actually change some development practices. And those leads drove that. But I had to understand the business environment and the regulatory environment to help drive that change. Um, Yeah.
0: Sorry, you finish?
1: Oh, no, I was just going to say I I hope that's a message that's – maybe resonates with other people because more and more people I talk to are facing really similar challenges at the moment. That was all I was going to say. Mm. Mm. Uh, the reg and
0: compliance area is has always been a, a challenging um, area when it comes to delivering things that you know come from, like you said, the Royal Commission or somewhere and they've, they've come the like week before and it's got to be out or whatever it is. It's always been a challenge. But... I feel like the last uh couple of years especially with the changes that has happened in Australia there's um it's I was working with a team not very long ago and they knew things were coming but they didn't know what they were and mm. they didn't they knew when they had to be done <laughs> had to be delivered but they didn't know what they were yet and yeah. uh you know the product owners were like I just got placeholders cuz I know it's going to be coming but we just don't know what it is yet yeah and it was really really challenging for them let alone the teams just kind of getting nervous and uh, anxious just sitting there waiting for these things not knowing what they were going to be but knowing they had a really short time to turn them around
1: yes and i think that does really what i've noticed is regulatory driven agile teams are probably some of the most poor things stressed in and risk at burnout Because Mm. they have the deadlines imposed on them as opposed Mm. to really feeling like they can own their destiny and deliver. And one of the things I had to do with the previous team and I'm starting to do now in this organisation, it's really important how we we break the work up and we go with this is what we know right now. Let's work towards delivering that. And then we make space for delivering the next drop. So people will say thin slices or, you know, features or whatever you want to call it but it's just more about going with what's known and what's unknown and how can yep. we package up bits of value so we're still working along the way, um, we're still supporting our business and our customers and we're giving, giving our teams enough certainty and enough autonomy to be able to deliver something um, of value and to a timeframe that they're confident with rather than, as you described before, feeling like they've got all these placeholders over their head and they're just waiting for it to drop. And I think in the product space especially it's a really crucial role partnering if you are in an agile team and then partnering with your delivery lead or your scrum master um, to give the teams enough certainty and, then, and also shelter them from some of that unknown so that we're not, you know, messing with people's heads. <laughs> mm. give, give them not taking up space in their heads maybe so that they can focus on delivering what they're doing now. And then we bring mm. the next thing to them when we know more. That's mm. definitely something I've tried to drive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We've spoken a lot about your health journey and how you've applied some of those learnings into your uh, leadership journey. <laughs> Over, we're overusing the word journey here, but we'll go with it. Yeah. Um, what are you doing for your own professional growth? Apart from the things we've spoken about so far.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. I have um, recently, I've just been listening to a couple of different audiobooks. books. Um, I am going to the coaching retreat later this year, which I'm super excited about. Um, I, I've been reading The Culture Code, I think, for the second time now. <laughs> have you read that one?
0: Uh, yeah, a long time ago, though.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. We've got a number of people in our leadership team drive, like reading it at the moment. Um, cool. Are you book clubbing and, it? Um, I think that's the intention, yes. Our head of got everybody a copy, either a, a okay. written or, a, um, nice. or an audible version um, yep. and gave us that homework and coming up soon to our strategy day. I think we're using some of that into how we'll, we'll work at driving our nice. culture and building our high-performing team. So it's nice to mm. have to have that as a wider leadership group. Mm. Um, so yes, I've been working my way back through that. Um, and I, my next thing I want to pick up is the, um, new book by Josh on, uh, joy of agility. So I've got it sitting there waiting once I finish culture code. Yeah. Um, I'm reading yeah. that one at the moment. Yeah. Awesome. I haven't had a chance to get into it yet, but it's the next one on my list. Um, so yeah, just, just making times for that, um, podcast when it makes sense. Um, when I have time to listen um, and, yeah, just looking at what my next training will be, I guess. Um, I've I've got some interest in, I guess, some more of the behaviour change or psychology of um, psychology of teams but I haven't quite worked out yet what that looks like and what I'm going to do next but it's definitely what I'm seeking and searching for. Mm, cool.
0: Do you have any final wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, I think as we talked about earlier in terms of within the Women in Agile community, my words of wisdom would just be don't give up and find people that will support you, um, that will champion you. Um, We talk a lot about mentors, but I think sometimes you need a champion Um, and that will that will also give you feedback and help you on your journey. And that I think links back to that whole idea of eating your own cooking. So when you're, you're dreaming something up or you're putting a strategy together or whatever, it's still about how it lands with people. And sometimes you're going to have to adjust it. And, and the way to do that is by seeking feedback and being transparent and being open. So that would be my wisdom just. Always be open and see feedback as a gift.
0: Beautiful, thank you, um, and congratulations on your journey so far from a Thanks. health perspective. If you've stuck it out through thick and thin, <laughs> Yes. Uh, and like you said, like you've shared today, there's a lot of uh, personal learning uh, that you've um, had along the way, and it can only be better for the better, right?
1: That's right, better me. Better for my family, better for me at work. So, yeah, and thank you for your support too.
0: No worries. Thank you for your time today, Josie. Thanks. Have an awesome day. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit and scrum.org. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a co-worker about the podcast. Please go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiative and find more inspiring podcast conversations.